0: God bless. We can go home. Oh, what, can we just thank the team one more time? That's how you celebrate the resurrection of the king. I'm, I'm so thankful for today. I mean, this week, many people were busy, right? This is a busy week. Uh, Friday night we had our concert and then of course preparing for uh, this morning I got my new shirt thank you for from uh, uh, Gina Miller from our Lola Miller designs I was looking at this shirt and I felt like I should open up for the Merry Monarch (laughs) and then and then I tried practicing my moves I don't have any This this is my favorite move that's the one that's it that's all I got and I thought I thought we all get prepared for this day oh you see that was good You missed that if you were going to Snapchat, so too bad. You have to come next service. But I'm excited about today because we're actually in the middle of a series that we're calling Rediscover. And the reason why we're calling it Rediscover is because for many of us, we've forgotten many things. We've forgotten who we are in God. We've forgotten what it's like to respect one another. We've forgotten what it's like to have this free gift called eternal life. Now, not everyone forgets this, but there are a few that may forget how valuable they are in the sight of God. And in order to rediscover something, it means that you, you had something, and then you either forgot about it or you lost it, and now you're trying to rediscover it. But when it comes to the family, many of us have forgotten about what family means, what family is all about, and why God gave us this thing called family. Now, I know for some of you, you're thinking, yeah, I, my family is very interesting, and my family is, is made up of different kinds of, you know, personalities. In fact, I was thinking, when it comes to the family, there, there are basic character qualities and basic categories of the family. Now, I just want you to think about this. In the family, there's the leader, and then there's a, there's a strong one. Just think in your family. That you're going to find that there's someone who leads, someone who is strong. Not just in physical strength, but there are some who are strong-minded. They're just strong-willed. Some, they always talk about money, making the quick dollar. Or in the family, there's the funny one. Not the funny-looking one, but the funny one. Oh, there's sometimes funny-looking ones, but that's fine. There's also the good-looking one, or they think they are. There's the loud one, and then there's the quiet one. There's the smart one, and then there's the not-so-smart one. Or we call them the ditzy one. They just don't get it sometimes. There's the classy one, and then there's the gassy one. There's the favorite. Well, stop looking around you and stop pointing fingers. There's the favorite one in the family, the favorite. And then the other one who thinks they're the favorite. There's the wild one. And the tame one, the fame one, and the lame one. I'm not saying this. This is just off of this. There's the hard worker, and then there's the lazy worker. The one that sneezes with an implosion, and then the one that sneezes with an explosion. And they have to say, God bless you, to everybody else. But with the family, you're going to find Diversity. But we use this word family in various ways. We use this word family at work. We use it in our community or in businesses. We say we're a part of a family on a sports team. And we use this word in such a way that says we relate to one another and there's love there. But for some odd reason, sometimes in life, even in our own family as husband and wife and and mother, daughter, father, son, and and just that family unit, sometimes we forget why God called us family in the first place. And yes, today is Resurrection Sunday, but I think more than just Resurrection Sunday, God wants to resurrect the family. He didn't come just so that we could have eternal life. If that was the reason, then the moment we said yes to Him would be the moment He'd take us home. But he wants us to live on this earth according to his will and his purpose. And he's given us a family to be in which you could not choose. You, just, you couldn't choose your family. I mean, some of you are thinking, I wish I could choose my family. No, you can't choose your family. You're born in the family that you're in for a specific reason. But we use this word family all the time. There's a guy in New York who has a business, a company, called Same Old Line. And the reason why he calls it same old line, actually, same old line dudes, the reason why he calls it this is because they are New York's only professional line-sitting team. They stand in line for you. How many of you have ever been to New York? Just raise your hand. You've been to New York. Okay, so you, you probably saw the lines that you have to stand in for different things. Well, you pay them to stand in line for you. And it's like, Minimum two hours, look at their prices. Minimum two hours and $25 for the first hour, $10 each additional 30 minutes. They will stand in line for you at events, stores, ticket sales, and the DMV. <laughs> Imagine that. And they will go up to 24 hours for a $480. And people pay that price. And the reason why people pay is because they don't want to waste time standing in line when they could be visiting the sites if they're, you know, tourists. And they don't want to waste their time standing in line that has absolutely no so-called entertainment to it. Now, this guy calls the people in the line that he stands in his family line because he gets to know the people and people know him because he stands in this line and i thought people pay this guy to stand in line and this man makes a living off of this and now refers to these people as family and i thought god how how, how do we get to a place that even even in a simple thing like standing in line that we refer to people as family how, how does that happen why couldn't why couldn't we as human beings Just isolate ourselves and love our life. Why is it that we're drawn to one another? What what happens inside of us, in our psyche, in our mind, and in our thinking, in our hearts, that says, I need someone else. I want to love and be loved. Where does that come from? And why is that there? Because from the moment we're born, we want love. We want to be loved. We want to be liked. It's in us. God created that in us, not so that we could live in a world just to be liked and to be loved, but he did that so that we would search for that which is true love and eternal. And it's his love. See, you know you like to be liked because when you post something on social media, the instant you post it, what are you looking for right after that? How many likes you have. That's what you're looking for. And if you do like a Facebook Live, you're waiting for all the hearts to come up, all the, all the thumbs up. Yay, yay, yay. And it, it makes you feel good. Why? Because God created us that way. And it's not just for in this world to relate to one another. It's so that we could relate to him. In the book of Matthew, the Bible tells us the story of what happened when Jesus went to the cross and then rose from the grave. I'm going to read it to us. It'll take a couple of minutes, and if you do have your Bibles, you can turn there, Matthew chapter 27. If not, I'll read it, and you do have some notes in your bulletin that'll help you to follow along, but this scripture is not in there, so you can write it and then check it out later. Matthew chapter 27, I'll read from verse 32 to Matthew 28, verse 10, and this is when Jesus is already going to the cross. They've already judged him as guilty, and he didn't do anything. They beat him, flogged him, and put a crown of thorns on his head and mocked him as saying, So you are a king. And they mocked him. As they were going out in verse 32, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. Until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah, who was a, a prophet of the Old Testament. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tomb, the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. In other words, his resurrection power was so strong that even others came back to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Now these are people who didn't believe. Oh, now they believe because of the earthquake and dead people coming back to life. I think that would cause us to believe a little bit more. Many women were there, watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, who was the governor, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rode a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Well, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. The next day, Take a guard, Pilate said. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone and posted the guard. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee there they will see me. Jesus tells them do not be afraid. I'm wondering if he knew even till this day many would be afraid. And maybe not just afraid of the fact that Jesus rose from the grave and they don't know how to respond to this but in our world today many are filled with fear because of what's happening around the world, what's happening in the Middle East in Syria. And what's happening with nations against nation. North Korea, United States, Russia. All of this coming together and, and people are living in fear. Terrorism. And Jesus still says today, do not be afraid. For I have risen. And sometimes we think, then God do something about it. Why can't you do something? He has. He has given us eternal life. And mankind here on this earth because they're separated from the love of God through Christ Jesus, do these types of things that causes fear in people. But once again, Jesus says, do not be afraid. You see, every person and every family can be strengthened. And we're going to look at three actions that we can take to help us understand that God has given us a family as well as a way for us to not be afraid. And to strengthen one another in our families. And not just in our family as here on this earth, but in the family of God, that we're connected to our Heavenly Father. And here's the first thing, if you want to write something down. Use Jesus as your reference point in life. Use Jesus as your reference point in life. Sometimes we use other people. Sometimes we'll use Hollywood. We'll use the fad. We'll use what's happening in the world. But don't use the world. Don't use another person. Use the person of Jesus Christ as your reference point. And here's why. I want to show you something. And, and this is called a color bar. Some of us are familiar with this. How many of you have seen this before? This color bar. Okay, all old us. We all are old people. You know why we see this? Because remember when TV was done, was all pile, no more any shows, the, the national anthem came on, and then this came on with a boo, and we still watch. <laughs> We're like dead tired and we see the color bars. And, but this is there to recalibrate the monitors. They needed this to recalibrate back to what was true so they would know what the true colors are on our television screens. And then this next picture is called the Indian Head Test. They, remember this? Yeah, same thing. This would come on too. Yeah, black and white TV. How many of you? No, I don't want to raise your hand. But it was black and white. And they used this for the contrast, for horizontal and vertical uh, lines to, to make sure it's straight. And they used the circles on the ends for focus and to make sure it's not on, over the edge. So they used these two pictures to recalibrate back to what is supposed to be accurate and what is true. Now, what has happened in our world is we've made our own colors, and we've recalibrated back to whatever sounds good or what other people think. And we've forgotten the true color. And we've recalibrated back to whatever someone else says that that's the focus. That's, that's what life is supposed to be like. And that's what family is supposed to be like. But it's been off focus. And what we're doing is we're recalibrating back to the ways of the world. And we don't even know that that's not truth. Unless we recalibrate back to the person of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's perfect. Just as those colors and just as those lines and contrast are used for a perfect image. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Perfect in everything that he is. Jesus fulfilled 353 biblical prophecies. Jesus himself. 28 on the day of his crucifixion alone. In the book of John chapter 14... Verses 5 and 6, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If anyone knows about family, it's Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They have relationship. And they, and they said, let us create man in our own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. Why? Why? Because God wants family. It's his ideal. And he wants us to spend time not just with our family here on this earth, but with him for all of eternity. Jesus prays this prayer in John 17:5 and 23. He says, And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. In other words, we were a family, but we wanted more children to be with us in all of heaven god loves us that much he loves us i in them and you and me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and i and have loved them as you have loved me see when it comes to god it's never about a religion it's about a relationship. It's, it's not about what can I do, what can't I do. No, it's, it's who you can be. It's the family of God. Here's the second thing. For us to understand this family and to really strengthen our families is to have a together mentality with our family. A together mentality together with God in that family, together with our family here on this earth, together with your spouse if you're married, together with your children, to have that together mentality. Now, you may not agree with each other. You may not agree with your family members. They may be doing things that you're not thankful for, you're not proud of, or maybe you're doing something you're not proud of, or maybe a family member is doing something that kind of makes everyone feel awkward and you don't know how to respond to that. And so you you just kind of, Say what you got to say, hold your peace, and then that's it. And then there's awkwardness in the family. And maybe you're distant now. But you still love them. You still love them. Well, sometimes when family members go astray or they make decisions that you probably wouldn't make, it doesn't mean they're less than in your family. It could possibly be just for a season. All they're looking for from you is not advice, but support. And you might need to ask them because they're just, maybe they, maybe they might just blow up one day and say, all I need you to do is understand and support me and love me. Okay, stop asking me for money. <laughs> I'm supporting you that way so that you learn how to, you know, we, it, it comes to a point where we might have to ask them, How can I support you? Because you know I don't agree with what you're doing, but I don't know how to support you. You know what I believe, so how do I support you? Do that together as family. You might have some awkward sit-down moments, and you don't know how to respond to each other, especially today. Maybe you have uh, an afternoon together on, on Easter, and just take them on the side and say, son, daughter, mom, dad, honey, whoever it is, you know I love you. And I just want to say, I want to know how to support you. You just got to let me know. And if, I, and if I'm not able to support you that way, we just got to keep figuring that out. But you do it together as a family. Here's what the Bible tells us in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah, if you don't have the strength, that's fine. He does. That's what resurrection power is all about. Because he rose from the grave, so can we when there's a dying in the relationship, in a family, between husband and wife. He can resurrect that. We always say this. I did a, a wedding yesterday, and, and we always talk about, we get into fights, right, in, in marriages and things like that. But you always fight forward. You fight forward. You're going to fight in marriage. And when you do, you fight forward. And, and here's what we mean by that. Some of you fought when you came in this morning to church. Church yeah yeah. right now you're 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 not you're not even talking to each other and and you walk in and go good morning hallelujah praise the lord praise the lord he has risen where's your husband i don't know step out of car still in the car on oh, Nuha, yo, you're mad <laughs> man man mad. well what what happened what what happened with the change well here's why because we in marriage fight Heidi and I came to church one time and same thing, we walked in and people saying, good morning, oh, good morning, good morning, oh, good to see you guys. Oh, God bless you, God bless you. Yeah, oh, where's Heidi? She's right there. Oh, okay. Walked in church, worshiping God, hands lifted high, praise you God. And the Lord speaks to me, says, grab your wife's hand. Hallelujah, Lord, praise your name. <laughs> grab your wife's hand. And so I'm, 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 like talking to god lord why would i grab her hand people are looking at me like look how holy the pastor is. praising god praising god no I, i'm i'm grumbling with god i'm saying lord why should i grab her hand why it's her fault she needs to i didn't say it out loud come on so he says just grab her hand grab her hand so humble myself grab her hand and now this is this i'm trying to grab her hand And I grab it, she goes. (laughs) Like grab my hand, people watching. Grab my hand. Oh, there it is. Okay. Grab 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 like how we No, not this. No, no, no. That's just friend kind. No. Give me no open your fingers. Open your fingers. Heidi, open your fingers. You don't like God, she don't like open her fingers. Be like the Red Sea. Part the fingers. And then finally, I clasp her hand, and I could feel the tension. And we're trying to worship the Lord together. And I just hold her hand, and I'm saying, Lord, you got to help, because right now, it's not happening. This is, this, there's no heart behind this. There's no, there's, no, there's no expression of love for me. There's no, you, my husband, oh, I adore you. It's, it's just, I'm holding your hand because you forced me to. And then after a while, I just kind of, I said, Lord, just help me right now and he says whisper into her ear I said what you like me say (laughs) (laughs) he said he said tell her you're sorry (laughs) I (laughs) don't (laughs) like and I keep saying to the Lord it's not my fault it's not my fault she was wrong and you know it too you know she was wrong tell her whisper into my ear (laughs) and he says no you tell her sorry. And so I just leaned over and I said, Heidi, I'm so sorry. And she's so loving. She goes, okay. <laughs> so I lick on my hand. <laughs> so, but it was, it was, I remember in that moment thinking, it happens. It happens, even in church. Even, even though you're worshiping God, there's that moment of fighting. But when you fight for it, it means you think of every option possible to make it right, every option possible, because for us, that is the only option, it's to fight forward, it's never to fight against, and then we're done, it's always to fight forward, and you fight forward because you give hope that there's going to be restoration, reconciliation, and you stay with your family members, even though you may have those fighting moments, you fight forward, The question is not if you're going to support them. It's it's always how. How do you do this? How do you you draw close to one another when there's a fight happening or when there's disagreements? The Bible gives us some some actual ways to do this and some principles for husbands and wives and and children. It says in Ephesians 5.22, here's how you love one another. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Now, hold on for some, they're saying submit. (laughs) Submit submit to you know who my husband is i'm not submitting to him he don't behave if i submit to him everything will crash and burn but what the bible is saying is no, you submit to your husband as unto the lord in other words as much as you're submitting to your husband is as much as you're submitting to the lord so sometimes because sometimes you know as husbands we can be a little off you don't necessarily submit to him at those moments you submit through him to the Lord. And you would respect him as you would respect the Lord. Does he deserve it? No. Yeah, husband, yeah, yeah, I deserve it. i got to put up with her. Now here's, the, here's what it says about the husband. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Imagine that, that the Bible actually tells us what Jesus did for you and I, that's what you do for your wife. The principle of dying to self. Because there are going to be many times where you're going to get into an argument, a fight of some kind, and you're going to say, but it's not my fault. Jesus never said that. He knew it was our fault, but still went to the cross for us. So the principle that he's giving is, no, you die to yourself so that she may live. And no woman had ever has ever had a problem with submitting to a dead man. Ever. And if you die to yourself, she will live and thrive. That's our role as husband and that's your role as wife. What about parenting? I don't know. I don't know about that one because that one is very complex. Because now you're not just dealing with two individuals, you're also dealing with a child who's learning. Now, have you ever said to your child when they did something wrong, and, and, you know, they're, they're, they're crying because they know they did something wrong. And, and then you ask them the, the, the mysterious question. You ask them, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? What is their answer? I don't know. <laughs> or I wasn't. I, I wasn't thinking. Do you know that's actually scientifically true? Because, we, yeah, not because they can't think, but because we have what we call the prefrontal cortex in our mind that is not fully developed until age 18 to 21, or sometimes 25 or 47. <laughs> it, it depends on who you're talking to. But it's usually developed in the later stages of the young adult life. And so when you ask them, what were you thinking? And they say, I don't know. They actually don't. This is where we make decisions. This is where all the options are. This is what causes us to, to move into action. It's the executive order area of our brain. So our children, when you say, what were you thinking? They say, I don't know. They're telling you the truth. So it almost feels like as parents, we're trapped because our kids can now do whatever they want. to say, I don't know what I'm doing. The Bible says, I don't know what I'm doing. The pastor said, I don't know what I'm doing. My prefrontal cortex is not working. So they may say that. but So, so, so for the children who are thinking, yeah, I get one up on my parents. Here, here it is. The Bible says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. In other words, what the Bible is saying is for children, this is why you need to obey your parents, because you don't know what you're thinking. Your parents do because they're old. So their prefrontal cortex, the decision-making process, is now functioning better than when they were younger. Have you ever, uh, maybe your teens are here, or or we've heard this in our family, that, honey, I'm just saying this to you because I don't want you to do what I did. And the kids respond with, but I'm not you. I'm not going to do that kind of dumb stuff. Five months later, you're sitting down and you're crying, oh, no, I'm so sorry. I, I did what you told me not to do. I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's, that's why I was coaching you. That's why I was trying to parent you. But you know, like, listen, pack, and you give them lickings. <laughs> but we, we try our very best. But the reason why the Bible says to obey is because we just can't think for ourselves in those moments. Now, some kids can develop that quicker than others. And so as parents, that's our role. It's how do we help our children to obey the Lord and parent, parenting is tough. I have parents come up to me like right after church and say, Pastor, you got to pray for my son. you got to pray for my daughter. They, they're like, I don't know. They, they're not thinking straight. They, they're doing dumb things. They're making bad decisions. Last night they did this. They talked back to me. They, they, they swear at me. And I, don't, I just don't know what to do. And, and so can you pray for my kids? I say, yeah, where, where are your children? This one right here. This, this, this one right here. And I'm thinking, wow, you bring them right here and talk like that, just right in front of them. And the, ch- the kid is like, Uh, uh. and and so i'm thinking as parents we also have to show respect to our children to set an example not not put them down in front of other people it's do that behind their backs (laughs) don't do it in front of people just 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 come together as family and just remember that all that we go through everything that god has given to us is so that we can do this together as family and then here's the most powerful thing in the world The last is to receive the power of God's forgiveness. The power of his forgiveness. See, we all know, we all know that our good deeds will never be enough to pay for our sins. We all know that our good deeds will never get us to a perfect place called heaven. We all know that our good deeds are only as good as it is. And not good enough for heaven. Our good deeds can only go so far. Now, it doesn't mean we stop doing good deeds, but it doesn't mean salvation. It doesn't mean you earn God's favor by doing good deeds. We do good deeds because we love God. We do good deeds because we've been forgiven. We do good deeds because we want to please God. But it doesn't get us into heaven. See, the power of God's forgiveness allows us to now forgive others. And when his forgiveness is given to us, and we know that we, by ourselves, cannot lift ourselves up by our belts and live in such a way that says, I now deserve your love. God says, you won't be able to do enough because of sin, but I did it for you. I paid the price for your sin. And this is why Jesus came He came so that we could be forgiven. Even though we may want to find fault in each other, Jesus didn't do that. In fact, in Luke chapter 12, while Jesus is on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing, and they divided up his clothes by casting lots. See, God is both holy and righteous, loving, and you can't separate those qualities because that's God's character. So because he's holy or righteous, and because he's loving, he demands that justice be done. But he also, that his justice, because of his justice, requires that people are loved. And when you understand God's love for you, then you're able to receive his forgiveness. And when you're able to be forgiven, you begin the journey of forgiving others. It's a hard journey. But that's only for. If we forget, we've been forgiven. Colossians 3 verse 13 says to bear with each other and forgive one another. And if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. 1 John 1, 9 tells us that if if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, forgiveness is the glue that keeps relationships together. And God modeled that for you and I. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And it says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are a temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people, and I will be their Father, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters," says the Lord Almighty. In other words, God has called us to be a part of His family, not separate, not distant, but in close proximity, as in a relationship. You know that guy that stands in the line at, uh, at in New York. I thought, you know, many of us are standing in line in life. We're just waiting. It feels like we've been standing in line for a long time, waiting for certain promises to be made, waiting for that moment in life where we become someone, waiting for that that one person. We're waiting. We're constantly waiting. Maybe for some of us, we're waiting in the wrong line for eternity. Maybe we never knew about God's forgiveness, and so we've been searching and looking for whatever religion would seem right. And so we, we dabble into all kinds of things, and God says, you're just in the wrong line. Yeah, but I've been here for a long time. I, I don't know what else to do. I, I don't know why it's in me to continue to do the things I do that may not be pleasing to you, but here I am. I'm in this line. And then here comes Jesus. And he says, I will take your place. I will stand in line for you. And all you need to do is just get in the right line the line that leads to eternal life, the line that says you've been forgiven and the line that says I receive your forgiveness. And now that we stand in that line, we can, we can either jump out of that line and do whatever we want because we're free now from the other line or we let Jesus pay the price for us and because we're so grateful, we live a life according to his will and say to him, thank you for calling me family. Thank you for strengthening my family. And as Jesus gets closer to the end of the line where death awaits, all he asks us to do is be thankful that he has done that for you and I. But here's the coolest thing about Jesus standing in that line. When he went to the cross, he overcame death. And because he overcame death, all those standing in that line can receive new life by believing in Christ and following him to the line that leads to life. God is not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. There's a poem from author and Christian artist, Max Locato, and I want to read this to you. And he writes this, If God had a refrigerator... Your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, your photo would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. Whenever you want to talk, he'll listen. He can live anywhere in the universe, and he chose your heart and the gift that he gave you during that Christmas season that he sent to you in Bethlehem, face it, friend. God is crazy in love with you. Would you bow your heads with me as we close in prayer? Heavenly Father, our our prayer today is really to connect with you, to remember that you've given us a family. You've given us freedom to live in this world but not so that we just do whatever we want it's so that we can have eternal life with you and so i pray that we would strengthen our families through the strength that you've given us through your resurrection power that we would do this together as family that we would never forget how precious it is to receive your forgiveness and then give that forgiveness out oh it's difficult lord but only if we've forgotten how much we've been forgiven so lord i pray for each individual here. In fact, there may be some of you today that you're wondering, I don't know what to do. I I want to receive this free gift, but I don't know how to. We're going to pray a prayer together. And in this prayer, you're actually going to be receiving God's forgiveness. For some of you, if you've said this prayer before, Let's say it once again as a rededication to the Lord on this Easter Sunday. And then right after, for those who receive Jesus today on your way out, you're going to see some ushers and they're going to have some Bibles. Just ask them for one. It's a free gift. It's a yes packet. And it'll help you with your walk with Jesus Christ. Some of you here are saying, yeah, I want that free gift of God eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord and if that's you today could you just lift a hand real briefly everyone's head is bound and eyes closed if you're saying I want Jesus in my life I want that I want that in my life I've been searching and now I've, I've been feeling this tug on my heart and I know it's God could you just lift your hand yeah God sees you God bless you anybody else you're saying yes yeah God sees your hand right there right there right here God sees you yeah hold him up high don't be ashamed of him because he's not ashamed of you God bless you right here right there back there right here God sees your hand he hears your prayers He sees your family, your ohana, and you are ohana to him, your family to him. He calls you sons and daughters. He puts your hands down. Let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross, rising from the grave to give me eternal life. Forgive me, cleanse me, wash me, and make me brand new. I believe in you. I pray this in Jesus' name. And I thank you for your resurrection power. And calling me family. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can We say amen together. Can we congratulate those that said yes to Jesus this morning?